This is episode number two of the Second Breaks podcast, and today we're talking about aligning our goals with our core desired feelings and what core desired feelings are to begin with, and why it's important for us to figure that out for ourselves. Also, if there's even a small part of you that's wishing you can work and be location independent, but wondering how in the world does one actually do that? Well, this is the episode for you. Are you ready? Let's do this. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, you'll find the notes to today's show on secondbreaks.com forward slash episode two. That's the number two. And uh, you'll find all the links to everything that we're going to talk about today. Plus, also, you'll find the link to sign up for my private library uh, where you can find tools and resources and templates and worksheets to help you plan for your career move. Uh, for example, you'll find uh, the Break Free Blueprint in there that you can download. It'll help you get started with your planning. Also, you'll find a quiz that you can take, which will help you sort of focus your attention to certain areas, depending on where you are with your specific career goals. Uh, so again, that's secondbreaks.com forward slash episode two. Also, let me mention this now because I forgot to mention it in the last episode. If you ever want to connect, you can find me on Twitter at secondbreaks or you can email me directly, lou at secondbreaks.com. And uh, let's start a conversation. I love hearing stories, really. Tell me your goals. Tell me what you want to do with your career or where you want to see yourself five, 10 years from now. Uh, I really, I'd really love to hear from you. And what I said in the first episode about, uh, I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I really mean that. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Okay. Um, all right. So, you know, by the way, the movie where that quote came from, Casablanca, uh, the, the, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It's on my list of, uh, movies that I watch over and over and, uh, I don't get tired of them. I don't know. Do you do that? Watch something over and over. Is that weird? Or am I the only one doing that? It's weird, right? But anyway, yeah. So our guest today is Gail Jessen and she is a veteran in the 15 years. I can say veteran with 15 years, right? Yeah. So she was a veteran in the higher education space. And then she got diagnosed with something called uh, Hashimoto's condition. And if you've never heard of Hashimoto's, let me read you a short blurb from the Mayo's Clinic. Where is it? Here it is. Hashimoto's disease is a condition in which your immune system attacks your thyroid which is a small gland at the base of your neck. The thyroid gland is part of your endocrine system, which produces hormones that coordinate many of your body's functions. So yeah, that was a chronic condition that she was diagnosed with in 2013. And then what she did with that or after that is what's truly fascinating to me about her story. Because I don't know about you, but if I were diagnosed with some kind of chronic condition that I'd have to manage... 
I'm probably going to want to stay put and be as stable as I can where I have easy access to meds and doctors and insurance and stuff like that. <laughs> but that's not what Gail did. In fact, she used that incident um, as, a, as a trigger point to launch a new career and uh, literally a journey towards the unknown. So in this uh, conversation with Gail, she's going to talk to us about what made her do that and uh, how she's managing that transition as well as managing uh, her 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 chronic condition okay so let's uh let's get on with the conversation with Gail now and I'll catch you at the back end Hello Gail welcome to Second Breaks I was wondering if you could maybe start by giving us uh, an overview of this big adventure that you're about to embark on yeah, so right now I'm sitting in an empty condo and it's all packed up because I left my 15-year career in higher ed and I booked a one-way ticket to Bali and everything I own is now in a backpack and in 24 hours I leave my condo and it all begins. Oh my goodness, so exciting. So before we talk about, you know, what you're going to be doing going forward, you alluded to a career in higher ed. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was in higher education for 15 years. I was working primarily in curriculum design and course design, also some administration. I did consulting work for six years at a national level and was on a speaker's circuit. And so I've always been in one way or another, a teacher, a facilitator, a mentor, an educator, a coach. The next layer of that would have been an assistant vice president or a dean, and that's the point that I chose to leave. Um, I am now coaching, and I consider myself a fire starter, and my passion is helping people radically change their lives, and I do that by asking a single question, which is, how do you want to feel? And from that moment forward, we start changing their life. So... I'm one of Danielle Laporte's licensed desire map coaches, and I'm a graduate of Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And so I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, private VIP clients. Um, I'm developing a group coaching program. I've done live weekend retreats, and I write and post on my site every chance I get because it's free coaching, and that's the way I look at the posts is it's free coaching. So, so how long have you been doing the coaching work relative to your job in, in higher ed and you're quitting that job? Yeah, so I left my job about a month ago. So I have been part-time at the coaching for since November. So a short amount of time that I've been part-time. Um, the reason that I love it so much is the experience translates so well, but it translates in a way that now feeds my soul, right? Instead of misaligns me from my soul and makes me tired and makes me sick. So I feel I'm being used for my highest good and I'm being used with my skills, but in a way that's healthy now, which is maybe the catalyst that I could talk about why I left. Yes. Would you mind uh, sharing with us exactly what happened and what made you decide to leave your 15-year career and, and do something completely different? Yeah, the moment that made me decide, so the universe sort of on a silver platter 
um, handed to me this really customized breakdown um, and breakthrough. And one year ago, actually in two days, it'll be the one year anniversary. So literally one year ago, um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. It's an autoimmune disease and it attacks the thyroid. It also crashes the adrenals. So there's a lot of chronic fatigue and symptoms that go with that. So I had worked myself right into that. Um, and I, I was addicted to achievement. And yeah. I realize now I didn't believe that I was worth anything if I slowed down. And so I pushed myself and I pushed myself past anything that was healthy and past anything that was sane. And my soul was so misaligned from what I really wanted to be doing, which was writing and traveling and teaching. It was so misaligned that it made me sick. And it manifested in my body at 100%. Like metaphysically, that's what happened. Um, and I still remember the moment my doctor turned to me and she put down my lab work and she put her hand on her throat. And she said, your body's attacking itself. And in that moment, I, it was so obvious to me. And I, with her hand on her throat, and I just saw this sort of like, you're not speaking your truth, right? Of course, your body's attacking itself because you're not speaking your truth. Because you're a creative gypsy hippie and you're in a stressful office job. Like, of course, of course, your body's attacking itself. It's like trying to get your attention, right? And I didn't let it get my attention. And finally, from the diagnosis forward, everything was at warp speed. And so within one year, um, quit the job, emptied out the condo, booked the one-way ticket to Bali, sold everything I own. So I've always been a traveler. I went to Russia when I was 15. I've always traveled. But I never let myself believe that I could travel full-time or long-term, right? Because the fear is... What do you do if you don't have a full-time salary? What if you do if you don't have health insurance and you have a chronic autoimmune condition, right? So all these fears of like, how can you possibly, especially at the moment of diagnosis, which for many people would be the moment that you stay safe and you keep your health insurance and you keep your salary, because how scary is that to manage a chronic disease that you don't know anything about? I'd never heard of it. But that moment for me was the moment for me to go, no, those fears can't win because this is actually the moment where I get to do what I've always wanted to do, not the moment where I get to stop and be afraid. Well, that's actually what's fascinating to me, Gail, actually, when I first heard your story is that I think that for many people, me probably included, is that when we hear of a, a, a diagnosis, that the tendency is probably to say, thank God I have a job, I have to stay put, thank God I have insurance. Uh, thank God I'm going to be able to take off when I need to. And so I guess my question is, are you feeling, are you, how are you managing this challenge or, or are you feeling any kind of anxiety around the fact that you're going to be traveling while managing an illness at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. So I, and I first want to clarify that there's no sense of judgment when I say other people would stay or other people would need the health insurance or whatever it is. Absolutely. Like if that's what's right for you, that's what's right for you. But for me, I knew that I wanted to travel. I knew that I was done with that job. I knew that I wanted to write and coach and do something online. 
So when I say it was custom tailored, it was because it was so obvious to me that this worst thing that's happened to me is the best thing that's happened to me. And so that's how I'm able to stay comfortable with the fear is there's a different sense of when you're working toward a goal or you're working toward something that you know is right, like in your core is aligned with your soul, then the fear is just excitement without the breath, right? So whenever I feel fear, I realize you're not fearful in the sense that you're literally going to die, like an evolutionary moment of fear, right? I'm just afraid because I'm not breathing. And once I start breathing, I'm really just excited, right? So I'm able to sort of get through that. And I also, I can drop down into the fear and know that I can get through it because I stay centered in my core desired feelings. So that's what the desire map is all about. My core desired feelings for everyone really, but they have this profound power. They give you clarity, they give you permission, and they give you freedom. And acting on things that help me feel the way I want to feel blasts through the fear, or at least gets me to the other side of it. So I say yes to things that align with my core desired feelings. I say no to things that don't align with it. And I just navigate my way through it. And I know that I'm in the right track because I'm feeling the way I want to feel. That's my indication that it's okay to feel the fear and just keep going. Yeah. So I was wondering, you said you've always wanted to travel. And then of course, you're job or your career in higher ed, it's always been involved with teaching and coaching and helping others. And so I was wondering which came first when you heard the diagnosis, did you think, oh, well, okay, now this is I'm going to give myself permission to travel. uh, And so I need to find something to do that that will allow me to travel. Or was it the other way around? Did you say to yourself, this is the moment I'm going to give myself permission to pursue my other calling, which is coaching, which will then allow me to travel. So I guess I was wondering which one came first. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for the last two years, I have been trying to figure out how is it that I can travel and earn money, right? I love graphic design. I'm very visual. So I looked into getting graphic design degrees and I looked at how can you freelance and that didn't make the sort of money that I wanted to make. So I let go of that idea. Like I've been going through all of these location independent business models and thinking what are skills I already have that could translate into working for myself. And it was actually, and this is just the perfect example of how when you're aligned with how you want to feel, the universe is going to align and support you. I've had my core desired feelings for about two years. So those weren't with the diagnosis. That wasn't new to me. About two months after I was diagnosed, Danielle Laporte announced her licensing program, saying that she was going to license her material to coaches. And my core desired feelings are the reason that I quit my job. My core desired feelings are the reason that I'm traveling right? My core desired feelings are the reason that I'll be Skyping people from Indonesia. So how perfect that what I'm teaching people is how to get to their core desired feelings and how to implement them in their own life to work through whatever transition they're working through. So the alignment was flawless. It makes perfect sense that that's exactly what I would be doing. And her announcement of the licensing material was just a few months after I was diagnosed. So, Well, it's probably time to address the elephant in the room, because I would imagine some people are probably listening and thinking, easy for her to say, she probably has a lot of money in the bank. And so I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing, how are you managing the financial 
aspect of this, unless you tell me that you're actually independently wealthy or is related to Mark Zuckerberg and he's giving you money on the side. (laughs) I would love that. But no, um, no, I am not independently wealthy. We can clear up that myth. Um, Completely normal middle class condo downtown Salt Lake City, right? Very, Very normal, I think, average salary and average life. Um, I came to the point where it was more important to me to be healthy and be happy than it was to feel this sort of sense of security. Maybe it's a false sense of security of this retirement account or this condo or whatever, you know, owning these things. I just came to the point sort of spiritually and metaphysically that it mattered less to me than being happy and healthy. So if you would have told me even three days before my diagnosis that I would be willing to take out retirement at age 34 to travel the world, I would have told you were crazy because there was too much fear. I wasn't in a place where I could hear that and where I could even conceive of something like that. And the other gear that sort of shifted into place when I got that diagnosis was I thought, fear in the sense of holding you back has no place in your life anymore. You don't have time for it. You don't have the energy for it anymore, right? Because feeling afraid got me into the place where I was very sick. And so I have no I have no space for it at this point. And so I just realized you've worked for 15 years, you have a retirement fund. It can support you while the business gets off the ground. Um, I do have the condo. I have renters, but eventually I'll sell it. So yeah, I'm a totally normal person with totally normal pockets of money. And here's the thing though, it it takes a lot of work, but the sooner you can find a practice or a ritual or something that gets you in the groove of understanding that the universe is loving and expansive and trusting. I mean, that sounds so hippy-dippy, but it's so true. It's so true. I'm hippy-dippy anyway, but it's so true. And so that getting in that flow and understanding that I could have my retirement fund and be really sick and feel safe, right? Or I can travel and I can heal my adrenals and I can use a chunk of that money to do it. And it's a whole new world and I'm happy doing it, right? So the process of it mattered to me now, where before the outcome is what mattered, the job, the degree, the house, that's what mattered. And now the process and the way I feel every day matters to me as much, if not more than the outcome. That shift is what let me take out retirement, what let me start the business, what let me, you know, get renters in the condo. It just helped me figure out this has to happen. And this is your new non-negotiable happy and healthy. So how do you get there? So how long are you traveling out there? I mean, how, how long is the, how far out is the plan? Yeah. So the short answer is I will travel until the wheels fall off. Um, I, I can do it for years. Um, so really it's a matter of the business being successful, keeping myself on the road, my health holding out, which I absolutely believe it will because I'll be healing. So I'm booking six months of travel out at a time. I have to travel with a lot of medications and I only have a 47 liter carry-on backpack. So if I were to put 12 months worth of medications in my backpack, it's about 50% of the bag. Um, So instead I'm taking six months at a time, planning to come home once or twice a year and I'll stay out for years. I mean, if there's a Wi-Fi connection, 
and I feel healthy, I can work. So, so Bali is first, right? Bali's first, yeah. So after Bali, have you uh, planned it out already or, or is it just sort of open? No, I have a, a travel writing assignment. That's another um, angle or thing that I have going on. But I have a travel writing assignment in Thailand and Myanmar. And then I go to Central America. So I have a travel writers workshop in Costa Rica. And I'm volunteering and I'm teaching adult English classes and then meeting a friend in Nicaragua. I have family that lives in Guatemala So yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to get to Cuba before the cruise ships get there. So yeah, so that's it. I'm booking about six months out. Oh my God, I have to tell you, I'm having major second breaks envy uh, <laughs> listening to you. But you know, I, I'm, I'm listening, I'm sitting here listening and going, oh my God, I wish I can do this. But then again, like you said, you've been, you've want this, you've been doing research, you've been doing the work on the side or behind the scenes to exploring how to make this happen. And then, you know, Providence stepped in and uh, helped you out. Total serendipity and paying attention to that magic. I mean, my core desired feelings are that I'm magical, I'm wild, I'm supple, and I'm luminous. So being magical to me means you're paying attention to all the little dots that the universe is putting out there, right? And the serendipity is when you connect those dots and you get into a different flow and it's not a flow based on fear. And that was my shift. So, And it sounds like you're being open to all sorts of other opportunities. Like you mentioned something about maybe teaching English wherever you are. And so it sounds like you're being open to other kinds of things that might present themselves to you that may not be apparent today. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the core desired feeling of being supple to me means you're flexible and you're going with the flow. There's sort of a feminine element to that. But yeah, absolutely. I have a degree in English. So at some point I could teach English. Um, I don't particularly want to do that professionally. The coaching is really where my heart's at. And getting people through those transitions is absolutely my passion. But yeah, there's a number of things. And I think professional people, if you give yourself credit and you realize how many skills you really have that are translatable, right? Like you may have been using your project management skills in this specific way and in this literal job, but take that up to 35,000 feet and understand where else could those skills be applied or how else could those skills be applied even if you're working for yourself, right? So it was a process of giving myself a lot of credit and understanding what it is that I've been doing because I'd been in one industry for 15 years, higher education for 15 years. So you think, okay, well, my skills are in higher education, right? And fear could keep you thinking, my skills are in corporate, my skills are in tech, my skills are in higher ed. Skills are translatable, right? It's a big, brave world. And you can probably take what you know how to do, and you can do it for someone or yourself, and you can support yourself. So switching gears a little bit, Gail, what about the illness itself? Are you going to have access to doctors and medication while you're traveling? Yeah, so I have a year's worth of medication on hand right now. So it's a matter of me giving myself six months in my backpack at a time. Um, I'm coming home the first year that I'm out. I'm going to come home every six months and do blood work and check my doses and make sure everything is okay and then go back out. And I also sort of intuitively, I can understand that over the long term, I'm hoping that a lot of this heals. And I may need less medications over time. I mean, that's all part of it, right? So yeah. And 
I'm assuming you're going to be traveling alone, or at least most of the time you're going to be alone, right, Gail? I like it. It's adventurous. <laughs> so my whole brand and the whole concept of what I love doing is adventure. So for some people, they'll picture, oh, that means like crazy white water rafting. Like, I don't necessarily mean that type of adventure. I just mean anything that turns you on, right? Anything that lights you up, anything that feels like there's a little electricity in this decision, anything that's an adventure, anything that meets those requirements to me. So the idea of traveling alone, I've traveled alone quite a lot. And so it's comfortable to me. Um, I'm meeting up with certain people in certain countries, or I have like the volunteer opportunities or the travel writing assignment. Part of it is a group tour. So it's not entirely alone, but the traveling itself, yeah, I'm heading out there alone. And there is a wealth of resources, particularly about solo female travel. I feel completely safe. I'm savvy and street smart. I can get through it. Um, and it's again, that mindset, right? Like fear would keep me home. And fear would think clearly a solo female can't travel the world, right? But this perspective on the universe that it's going to be okay and it's going to be provided and I have a way of supporting myself and I can figure this out, that tells me to get going, right? That tells me I can do it and I'm completely calm and happy to do it. So, I would imagine, Gail, that there are people probably listening to this uh, recording thinking, wishing that they could do something similar, maybe even if it's not, you know, to the extent of your adventure, but whatever they're, you know, whatever it is that they really want to be able to do, but are somehow stymied or feeling sort of gun shy or terrified to take, uh, to take the step towards it. And I was wondering if you have maybe one or two advice to give to them. Absolutely. I would say, first of all, you get to define what adventure means, right? So when I was at the height of my sickness and I was on a medical leave from work, it was an adventure for me to go one block to the grocery store and walk one block home. And that's all I did for that entire day. And that was a huge adventure, right? Because I defined adventure as anything that makes you feel alive, anything that makes you turn on and has that electricity, right? So redefine that for yourself. There can be a tendency to think, I didn't quit my job and sell everything I own and move to Bali. So clearly I'm not adventurous, right? And don't let yourself, right? That's my adventure, right? And it was preceded by many, many, many little adventures that got me to this point, right? I didn't wake up yesterday and decide to do this. This has been in process for years. And um, the other thing I would say in terms of the desire map, you have to be clear on how you want to feel. So it's actually not about this salary or that salary. It's not about this job or that job. It's not even about you know this commute or that promotion or the other promotion. It's not. It's about how you want to feel. And we have goal setting all flipped around, right? We think that it's about that promotion or we think that it's about that title, but really it's about what that promotion or what that title would make us feel when we get it, right? So if instead you start with, how is it that I want to feel? And you focus on the process of feeling the way you want to feel, the specific thing, the job, is it quit the job? Is it take the job? Whatever it is, that will become so clear to you because it will either align with how you want to feel or it won't. And so you have to start with how you want to feel and you have to 
flip your goal setting on its head and try feeling that way and then coming to a conclusion of the actual thing. But don't, I wouldn't start with the thing, right? Because I thought the thing was be a dean. I thought the thing was be the AVP. Like I thought it was the promotion, right? And because that would be the next logical thing at this point in my career, right? But it didn't make me feel the way I want to feel. And so the actual thing mattered less than feeling the way I want to feel and coaching people and turning them onto the possibilities of life and getting them to their core desired feelings and traveling and writing while I do it. That makes me feel every day the way I want to feel. That's how I know it's the right thing. But I didn't start with the thing, right? I didn't know it was going to be coaching. I just knew this is how I needed to feel. And then it took me time and I worked my way into the conclusion of, oh, it's coaching and it's traveling and it's writing. So what about the logistics component of it, Gail? You're going to be traveling and you're going to be working with people at the same time. How, is, how are you dealing with the logistics? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm designing. So I, ha- I have private one-on-one sort of VIP clients that I coach sort of like this, like on Skype, right? Anywhere I have Wi-Fi, I can talk to you. Um, I will manage the time zones. No one will need to be on Skype at 3 a.m. That'll be me. Um, but yes, I do one-on-one coaching. I'm, de- I'm designing an e-course that's for a group coaching program, and it has an, a live coaching component. So that'll be a way to sort of scale and get many people through this experience, but still have live interaction with me. Um, and again, the writing on my blog, I consider the writing to be free coaching opportunities, really. And I write it with the intention of there's a certain benefit or a certain lesson um, in what I write for people. And that's just that's low risk, no buy-in, just a subscription to a list, right? So there is that long term, I want to host retreats abroad. So I've done weekend retreats in Salt Lake City and the area around Salt Lake City. And it's really powerful when you get, you know, 10 people in a room and you dive deep together, right? There's nothing like that, even if you are on Skype or you're on video. So eventually the long-term goal would be bring all of you to Bali. Let's find your core desired feelings, right? Let's all have a retreat in Greece and let's figure it out, right? Whatever it is, um, I would like to eventually get to the point where I'm hosting abroad. Yeah, and and um, you mentioned your blog, and which one? It, it's the a series of adventures, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the website's really easy to remember: a series of adventures dot com, and all the social links are on the website, and my emails on the website. But yeah, a series of adventures. So. All right, Gail, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And um, good luck, and have so I'm I have so much fun, and I know that you will on your travels. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. This is the Second Breaks podcast. So my biggest takeaway from that conversation was the bit about being open to possibilities. Because no matter how much we plan, we can't really foresee everything that may be possible when we're just beginning our journey, right? Trust that there will be new things along the way as long as we're open to noticing and taking advantage of them. That's my biggest takeaway. So what about you? What was your takeaway from this episode? Head over to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode two and leave your comments, okay? Next episode, we will talk to Brooke Erickson, 
who will tell us what she had to do to start in a new profession. And honestly, between the two of us, I'm not sure I could sign up for what she did. But don't miss that episode with Brooke, plus all other future episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. And if you're liking the show so far, please leave a rating on iTunes because your review will go a long way in helping others discover the show. With that, I'm signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Keep making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.